We're back with another interview. <laughs> Once again, I'm Jake. And I'm William. And today we're joined by Tito Correa, who is a um, jazz trumpeter here for the High Park Film Festival. Tito, do you want to start off by telling us something about yourself? Uh, sure. I want to thank you for having me. Um, I'm a longtime Chicago jazz trumpeter. Uh, I'm also an artist educator. I've been a professor at the University of Illinois in jazz studies for 17 years, uh, and just recently I actually took a new position down in my hometown, near my hometown of Austin, Texas. I'm at Texas State University, so I'm in San Marcos, which is about 35 minutes uh, outside, so it's a whole brand new world for me right now, <laughs> but, uh, but I'm really happy to be back. Um, even though I have played the Hyde Park Festival with uh, other artists, this is my first time leading a group and playing my own original music. So what are you going to be playing this weekend? We're playing music off of my latest album, which is called Urban Essence on the Origin Records label. Uh, I released it last October. It is um, a collection of, of 10 original uh, compositions and uh, just a reflection of my background uh, as a uh, Puerto Rican and Mexican American, you know, lover of everything from classical to jazz to to uh, to Latin music to salsa and gospel and and hip hop, <laughs> and and so uh, I really have tried to craft tunes that uh, meld the genres together more so than oh here's one tune that's in this style or that style and so that makes it tricky to uh, find musicians who are comfortable in all of these styles sure but that's exactly what i've done so i'll talk about the band in a moment so um yeah so feel free to please okay. talk about okay okay yeah to. yeah well, i i, I I have an amazing uh, group of, of some old friends and some newer friends. Uh, my uh, bass player is Clark Summers, who will actually, he'll, he's going to be featured here with his own 12-piece uh, big band. And uh, I, I actually recorded on that album, which was just released this year. Uh, but it was just too difficult for me in this window. I, I flew up from Texas to be here, so I, yeah. I was not able to coordinate uh, playing with the group, but uh, it's, it's going to be a fantastic uh, experience. On piano, I have an old friend, Ben Lewis, who literally can play anything. He's, he's just amazing. He's really the glue to our group. Uh, Victor Gonzalez on congas, Latin percussion. I have a, a new friend, a young young guy named Kyle Swan, who's uh, kind of been making the rounds now as an upcoming drummer here in Chicago and beyond. And uh, and then I have a, a very special guest from New York City came to fly in to play with our group, Troy Roberts, who is a rising star on the tenor saxophone in the world. Amazing. Um, and your music occupies a really interesting space in Afro-Caribbean music as well as modern jazz. How did you arrive at that? Um, it started uh, from my, uh, my upbringing in my household. Even though we didn't have uh, professional musicians per se, we had lovers of music in my house, starting with my father who was from Puerto Rico. And so he was uh, day and night playing his salsa recordings and, and various Latin uh, music, boleros, uh, things like that. 
and just a real passionate music fan and an amateur singer, by the way, a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. And then, and then my uh, my older sister, who was about uh, six years older than me or so, was only listening to basically soul, funk, hip hop. <laughs> you know, that's all that she was blaring out of her room. And of course, I want to be like big sis all the time, you know, so I started listening, of course, to Earth, Wind & Fire, to Stevie, to, to uh, even the early hip hop, Grandmaster Flash, you know, stuff like that. Um, George Clinton and the P-Funk All-Stars. <laughs> and, uh, and then when I started playing the trumpet, I was fortunate to have a few great teachers that not only were giving me lessons on how to play the instrument, but were giving me examples of excellent trumpet players, both from the classical ranks and in jazz, people like Miles Davis and Clifford Brown. And so I took all of that, all of those experiences, and I really went in hard when I started playing trumpet on the classical and the jazz side of things. Um, but I always had these other influences as well. So how have you brought that um, combination of influences and experiences to your career as an educator? Ooh, as an educator, yeah. Um, I think as an educator, it's a little bit uh, easier because when we present information as educators, it's a little bit more segmented. Otherwise, you overwhelm, you know, if a class is about everything, you know, it's like you overwhelm students that way. So, for example, I've led the Latin Jazz Ensemble at the University of Illinois for 17 years. So there we can really dive much deeper into the aesthetic of of Afro-Cuban, Afro-Caribbean, Brazilian, clave, you know, uh, clave-based rhythms, things like that. Um, uh, um, I think where it's a little bit more challenging and difficult is when I write compositions that that kind of meld them together, because you really do have to find musicians who are both comfortable in all of these various genres, yet they have that jazz kind of adventurous spirit, that creative spirit where they're all about being in the moment, listening across, and just let's see what we can come up with right now. And I believe that that the the people that I have in in my group uh, do exactly that. And so you don't want to miss it. It's 2 p.m. tomorrow, Sunday, at the Hyde Park Jazz Festival. That's amazing. Uh, and then your first album, um, opening statement uh, that you uh, put out with Origin Records, yes. opened to you know, incredible reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the inspiration behind that album? Um, that was, um, you know, I had, I had spent already by that point uh, many years as a, um, as a professional musician, as a professional jazz trumpet artist, playing a lot of different styles of music. and. Uh, You know, for me, composing was something that really did develop later. And I think for me, composing was like, hmm, I love this uh, aspect of this genre or or maybe this group that I've been playing with. I love this little aspect of it. And then, but I also love this other thing from the funk blues thing that I'm doing. And then this soul thing. and And so as a composer, the game for me was okay, how can I express songs that will, will blend these together like a stew? And, and so I ended up writing what I wasn't hearing because none of these 
side main opportunities that I was experiencing were including everything like I wanted to. So, so that was kind of the, the, the challenge. And then I realized after I wrote it, wait a minute, this is hard. <laughs> this is hard music. Now I, gotta, now I actually got to perform it. And then I got to find musicians that can do it. And, and uh, I'm, I'm just so thrilled. You know, on that first album, I had uh, uh, Dana Hall playing Lauren Cohen on the bass. I had Ben Lewis, who's been on both of my recordings on piano. Uh, also had Darwin Nogueta uh, appear as a guest on piano on a couple of tracks. And then I had uh, my good friend Jeff Bradfield on saxophone uh, there. Oh, and I almost forgot Phil Doyle, who is now living in Iceland, but he was a super talented student that I met at the University of Illinois. And we were playing gigs together and I wanted to bring him as a guest on a couple of tracks as well. Yeah, and that's amazing. And it seems like you've had a you know fast experience serving as an educator across schools uh, in Chicago. Yes. How has Chicago itself influenced you and your music and your style? Oh, it's been it's been everything. You know, I left uh, Austin uh, when I was 20 years old, and though I had played a few gigs at that point, I was really at the very beginning. I was still a very those were my formative years, and. Um, I moved from there to go to school at Northern Illinois University based on a recommendation of one of my older graduate student friends uh, where I was going to school in Texas. And uh, he told me that they had an amazing jazz program. And sure enough, uh, at that time, NIU uh, was thriving as a jazz program. I got to play with guest artists like Tito Puente, like Paquito de Rivera, like Clark Terry, the longtime uh, alto, lead alto with the Count Basie Orchestra, Marshall Royal, who's on all those famous recordings. It was like literally, I was getting to play with living history. Mm. And, um, and uh, that proved to be a great move. NIU has continued to blossom as a jazz program, by the way. It's, they're outstanding. So I, I finished up there, and by, by the end of my time at NIU, I began um, teaching. Uh, I'm sorry, I began performing in Chicago, and so the move to, to, to full-time freelance work was actually a pretty smooth one uh, for me. Um, Chicago, uh, for me, it just, it really is where I, uh, I, I laid my roots, you know. I, I'm much more of a Chicago musician than I am a Texas musician, you know, per se. Um, and there's one person I got to give credit to that was just instrumental in helping me establish my career, and that was uh, the great Willie Pickens, uh, piano legend. Uh, may he rest in peace. Uh, it's already been a few years now since he's passed, but he left an incredible legacy, not just with me, but with countless musicians that have, have come up under his tutelage, under his example. He was. Uh, he actually was hired at NIU my last year there, so he was my jazz combo small group coach. And then the very next year when I moved to Chicago, he was the first big name jazz artist to give me a gig playing with him at a jazz club, which was like a dream, something I'd been working on basically my whole life. And uh, he gave me the start. He really fueled the fire in my career. Uh, plus, he was such a devoted family man, a spiritual person, and a disciplinarian, all of which were things that I needed <laughs> as far as structure in my life. So. 
So we actually interviewed his daughter earlier today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. She's like a big sister to me. And uh, I, I had so many interactions with her going to his house to, re to rehearse for upcoming gigs. And uh, we actually got to, gotten to play together a few times, too, which is very special. That's amazing. That's really great. Um, so I know you also worked as an educator here in Chicago. Correct. At um, Roosevelt University and then at Evanston, not so far away, Northwestern. Northwestern. What was it like to teach students ensconced in the Chicago environment and then also, you know, out in Urbana-Champaign? Yeah, well, there's such a... It, it's actually, there's a, actually a rich legacy uh, in both Chicago and Champaign. Obviously, Champaign's a much smaller scene. Champaign was one of the first... Uh, uh, collegiate jazz ensemble programs in the country. Like they started back in the 60s with a, name, uh, a person named John Garvey and many great musicians from Jim McNeely, the piano player, to a lot of uh, well-known Chicago artists like uh, Joel Spencer, Art Davis, Ron DeWar, um, uh, came through that program. Too many to name, to be honest with you. So that's something I discovered moving from Chicago to Champaign. As far as, uh, um, sorry, I'm gonna have to edit this out. Remind me, I got a lot lost in my train of thought. What is uh, the question? <laughs> I was asking about um, what it's like to teach students in the Chicago musical. Ah, yes, okay. As far as uh, teaching in Chicago, um, I, I love that there's such a rich jazz legacy here, literally since the inception of jazz. We're talking about Louis Armstrong moving from, from New Orleans to Chicago mm. uh, to play with his mentor, uh, Kid Ori. And so Chicago has its own unique rich legacy apart from New York City. And uh, Willie Pickens really uh, was my doorway into that. I mean, he accepted me from day one, and because he accepted me, I was accepted into the jazz community in Chicago. This little boy from Texas, you know what I mean? And um, and so I, you know, the some of the traits that I associate with Chicago are openness of creativity, a deep earthy soul derived from uh, the respect of the blues. And, and, and also, um, uh, I would say, you know, heavy emphasis on groove and rhythm and swing. Um, uh, those are, those are just, it, it's hard to say. It's more, when I think of Chicago, I think of the personalities, mm -hmm. uh, you know, associated with Chicago artists, the Von Freemans, for example. That's another person we just interviewed, Chico Freeman. Chico Freeman, Michael yes. Alamana. Absolutely. He, yeah, Mike played with him for, for years and years. I remember sitting at, at his, uh, sitting in his jam session at, on the south side and then getting to talk with Vaughn at, at the bar on our breaks and he was telling us stories about when legends like Art Tatum would come through Chicago and, and things like that. It's just in, incredible. Again, it's like you feel just a couple of degrees separated from, from jazz history that way. Yeah. So when, when I bring this to the students, it's not, it's not uh, something that's separated. I want them to understand that what I'm teaching them is coming directly from what I've learned. You know, you go to school to learn the fundamentals, you learn the basics. 
I really learned how to play this music being in this environment in the Chicago scene. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've really gotten a great sense for that as I've sat here and heard all these names again and again. Mike Roach. Um, yes. Thelonious Monk, Mingus, Mingus, Mingus. <laughs> the people who, um, you know, inspired these artists and who they often had the chance to work with in some way or at least work with someone who worked with them. The, That's right. The number of degrees um, yeah. removed is, is small and the amount of musical, um, you know, brilliance that gets conveyed from person to person through that. That's right, yeah. A lot of times uh, those huge artists um, even though they recorded in New York City and they had their New York bands, they would sometimes blow through town here in yeah, Chicago yeah. and then use Chicago musicians. So we, we were the beneficiaries of hearing those stories and, 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 and those types of things. Unfortunately, a lot of those concerts were not documented, you know. Mm -hmm. but. And what is it about the trumpet that you wake up to every day just so excited to pick up? Oh, I wish it was like that. <laughs> <laughs> You make it. You make it sound like it's just wonderful. Yeah. No, it's a. It's a piece. It's a harsh, cold piece of plumbing that you put up to your lips, and you got to try and make some beautiful music with. And uh, it's funny. I. I. I would say that I loved music and listening and digesting music way more than I loved the trumpet. The trumpet appreciation actually came over time when I realized, you know what, I'm going to have to deal with this harsh, cold instrument and learn a more efficient approach to doing it uh, because it is a very physically demanding instrument. It's. Uh, you know, whereas a lot of other, um, uh, it's not that any other instrument is, is easy, it's got its own challenges, but as far as just producing a beautiful tone on the trumpet, you know, I can go pick up somebody's electric bass that I don't know, and I can pluck a string and I can get a sound. I can go to the piano and play a chord and I can get a sound. Give anyone a trumpet. <laughs> you know what I mean? An officer, man. Yes, exactly. And so... I actually have a very, uh, uh, I have a routine of exercises that I do every single day that is just super important that I, I don't really feel like ready to play unless I do it. I've made it intentionally rigorous um, be, and I feel that that's what I need because my lips feel different every day. It can be based on the weather, it can be based on anything, you know, uh, allergies, something like that can, can set it off. So that routine is like a litmus test for my lips and just me bringing, kind of become, trying to become one with the instrument as much as I can. And then after I feel I do that routine, I can just free my mind to focus on music. You know, so that's how I've, that's how I've developed uh, my, it's been a love-hate relationship, but, but mostly now it's not. It's more of an acceptance relationship now and just un an understanding of what it takes to be consistent, which is, the, uh, that's the highest order for an artist, is consistent excellence, right? Yeah. And then do you have a favorite place to play in Chicago? In Chicago? Oh my goodness. Um, I, um, I gotta say, I, I do love playing the Jazz Showcase. Um, I think it just sounds beautiful in there. I love the uh, atmosphere. Um, it's probably my favorite place uh, to play. I was able to play there with my group uh, and, and do an album release uh, event there earlier this, this year in March. It was super exciting for me. And of course I played there a bunch with, with Willie Pickens and other people. Um, 
Uh, but there's other other you know venues like the Green Mill and and uh, and uh, you know the Green Mill is a fantastic venue. Um, it's you know just leave it at that. Um, and then, uh, if you don't mind us asking you one last question, um, you know, if you could share one message with the world, it could be about jazz or anything, what would it be? Mm. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty wide open, isn't it? Um, it's funny, my message would be uh, the same to, to students as it would be to a, a general audience, which is, um, uh, it's just echoing what uh, Art Blakey, the great drummer, said about his music. Uh, and actually, he was speaking on all music. He said, music washes away the dust of everyday life. And uh, I've always loved that quote, and it's, it's true. You know, it's like, it helps us get through the grind uh, of, of trying to live every day. Uh, which can, which is going to have its challenges. It's going to have its routines. It's going to have those those uh, uh, painful people to deal with at the workplace. <laughs> it's going to have uh, financial struggles and and uh, expectations and pressure, external pressures about making your way in the world. And uh, there's just something beautiful about when the music begins like how therapeutic that is, whether you're listening, especially when you're listening live, and then for the artist, when we start playing. You know, uh, most of us who do, you know, I don't travel, all, all, I'm not like a heavy touring musician, but I travel a good amount every year. And uh, boy, traveling is really hard. You know, it's just like, you know, the days are very compressed. Uh, uh, there's not as much free time as anybody would ever, you know, would like. And, uh, and so oftentimes musicians get to the bandstand and we're just like mentally exhausted. And guess what? It's, it's actually the, the performance itself that is the release from all of that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's therapeutic. It literally is music therapy, you know. The other, the other message I would give is that, um, with music, it's never too late. That means if you want to play music, there's no perfect age to start playing music. Uh, this is not sports. Well, you're not uh, 40 years old and now it's time to hang them up because you can't do what you used to do. No, uh, people, I can't tell you how many people I run across who they get inspired, they come up to me and they say, I used to play trumpet in high school. I'm so upset with myself that I left it or, you know, I left it for 30 years and I started picking it up again a year ago. I was inspired by hearing you play or hearing another artist play. And now I just love it. And, you know, and I'm doing it every single day now. And it's, that's, the, that's the nature of music. There's actually a place for everybody. For yeah, musical I've been trying to get my mom to get back into the oboe, which was her life when she was in high school. And then she did it in college, but decided she couldn't like sort of go halfway with it, right? Yes. So she left her college orchestra after a year, hasn't really played since, but I think it would bring a lot of meaning to her um, if she tried to get back to it. Absolutely. Never too late. Never too late. <laughs> All right, thank you for joining us once again. I'm Jay. And I'm William. And I'm Tito Carrillo. Until next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.